Well, Paul, the time has finally come. It is November of 2019. Do you, do you know the relevance of that date? Of I've... course you do. It's Blade Runner. We are now living in Blade Runner. That was very Batman of you. I like that. <laughs> It wasn't intended to be. I'm just really tired. And what people don't realize is that we talk for like half an hour to an hour before each episode. So my voice is not very strong and it wears out really quickly. So by the time we actually record anything, my voice is already gone. So I get that dark night kind of, wait, I'm, I'm Batman kind of voice. So. Yeah, you're putting off a real gritty vibe right now. I, I kind of <laughs> like it. This is not about Batman. This is about Blade Runner. And I, like any responsible citizen of society went out and bought a trench coat and a hovering car <laughs> what have you done to celebrate november of 2019 i went out and got one of them casio wristwatches with all the little buttons because that was the 80s <laughs> idea of the future <laughs> well good for you um i was hoping you would say that you actually played the blade runner game Oh, yeah, that too. That's a distant second to my... <laughs> well, well, that's good because I, we needed somebody who was prepared for this episode because I was too busy buying a trench coat and a hovering car. <laughs> that's a very understandable excuse. Second only to dog eating homework. It's a classic. So I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you and everyone about the bloody game. Uh, which uh, which I did point... play. I actually played this relatively new. I mean, I, I think there might have been a year or two delay as with any games I play. I rarely play games as soon as they come out. Um, but yeah, no, I, I played this a long time ago. It, it was still the nineties back in a simpler time. Um, it was, it was a fantastic game, but I, there's a lot of details I might not still be in possession of. And that's why I'm going to rely on you for a lot of the heavy lifting of like the facts in this episode. Well, the bad news is, is I played it about three months ago and I probably remember as much as you do at this point. <laughs> This is really making it sound like it's a forgettable game, uh, but it, it's actually not. It's a great game. It's one of my favorites. It's just it um, it only recently sort of became playable again since I guess I guess since Windows ninety eight was no longer. You know, I, I remember as a kid, my my father was uh, such a tremendous geek that uh, when Windows ninety eight came out, he flew us to uh, Boston. Massachusetts, because there was a giant computer sort of convention going on. Um, I was kind of young, foggy on the details. I got a lot of free buttons and stickers at, at the convention, but we actually like flew somewhere to obtain Windows 98 is my point. Might have been Windows 95. Actually, it definitely was, but that didn't fit the continuity of the conversation, so I kind of <laughs> manipulated it to work <laughs> and then and then sold myself out. It but better no, it, have been it, Windows 95. Otherwise, you'd just be like, why didn't you just download it? But... I guess right. Um, yeah. Windows ninety five makes sense. You didn't really, you didn't really download Windows ninety five from the BBSs. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Audio streams of its cassette. <laughs> <laughs> what you said a second ago was that we we started off sounding negative about it. And I, I just got to do my bit real quick and say I fucking love this game. And I think uh, my boldest statement is that it, it was probably maybe the last great adventure game of the era. Okay, you know what. I was just about to say, so, uh, I was really wanting to go into this conversation on this episode about that very thing, because so many people thought that. And 
I was thinking about it. And I was like, everyone thought that. And I, I was trying to figure out if it was just me and my friends. Um, and it wasn't just like me and my immediate friends. I know people who I met like years later who uh, were fans and were also like, oh yeah, Blade Runner was like the last great adventure game. And then, you know, and so I was going to ask you about that. I was literally going to ask you about that. And you answered it before I could even ask. And you had that <laughs> same opinion. And a lot of people think about this. And I looked it up. And it's like, it was nowhere near the last great adventure game. It, there were so many that came out <laughs> around and even after. Like, I think Grim Fandango was the year after. That was a great game. Ooh, yeah, like, that's you know, iconic. Yeah, Quest for Glory 5 came out. I know people argue as to whether or not that's great, but I think it was pretty great. Yeah. Um, you know, I was looking down the list of, like, you know, chronologically when these games came out. And, you know, sure. King's like, Quest 8 came King's out Quest 8 after came it. out like, right him. after. And I was sort of like, <laughs> oh, that's why everyone thinks that. Yeah. But then it was like, no, here's Grim Fandango. Here's Quest for Glory 5. Here's you know, The Longest Journey. Here's like every other great point and click adventure game that exists. It, it, it didn't actually mean anything, even though we all thought it did. And it's so weird. Just I, I think a lot of it was just like, it was such a... It was kind of like this big culmination of the point-and-click adventure that sort of like, uh, I I can speak from my own personal experience. This was like the last great adventure game that I played in the contemporary time. Like, everything else that came after it, I played years later. Right. This is like right. the last one that I played like, oh, it's new. It's like maybe a year or two after I played that. And for, for me, it was a sort of like, this is it. This is the logical conclusion. This is where adventure games end like this is where the genre dies because <laughs> no, nothing could ever be as good as this uh again <laughs> unless they make another one and that that's all there is to it i just sort of like that, that this is it that, that there's this is the peak it's only going to be downhill from here i was wrong <laughs> but that's how i felt at the time yeah it was a very emotional curtain being drawn that in the form of this game was so so my memory told me it was you know, I'll, I'll say two things. One, really quickly, uh, I'm going to try and bag on uh, King's Quest Eight in every episode going forward <laughs> until somebody writes and complains, maybe even multiple people. Um, and second of all, I, I, to be honest, I've, I've actually never played King's Quest Eight, so don't take it too seriously. Or you could take it as that's the that's the highest insult I could give it. Like, I didn't even play you. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know. One day I'll play it. I'm sure it's great, Sierra. Anyway... Back to the bloody bloody topic. I I've, I kind of think my my answer as to how this opinion became popular, which I didn't know it was till now, because I thought I was making like a bold statement. So I'm, I'm glad to know I'm not alone. But if it is a popular opinion, it's, it maybe has something to do with how uh, how fucking amazing this game looks. And, mm -hmm. and I hesitate to say for the time because I honestly still think it looks really good. Oh, it does. It um, looks amazing. But it's almost like maybe looking back at I, like it, it looks. It kind of looks like the last one. Like it looks better than Grim Fandango, for example. Mm -hmm. And and let's be real, we we could clear pretty much everything off the table. Grim Fandango is one of the most iconic adventure games of all time. And if that came out after this, that that does really make you wonder, like why this one gets called the last yeah. great one. And I would just think like like the average person's recollection would be like, yeah, that looked too good. It probably came out after Grim Fandango. <laughs> well, I'll tell you something. You are being very consistent with your own self at this moment because i know you're a big fan of pixel art over 3d correct yes you're, you you love pixel art did you know that uh blade runner the game is not 3d no i didn't it actually is not i looked this up just a little bit before the show it turns out that they 
this came at such a, pi- a pivotal time in technology that 3D was obviously coming out, but it wasn't powerful enough to do what they needed to do. So they had to invent their own technology um, in which to use something called uh, something called voxels. This technology, as used for the game, was one that they invented in order for the game to happen. And what it is, is that everything is basically drawn with... Um, it's not 3D graphics, but they are pixels that have three dimensions. So each pixel has um, uh, a width, length, and depth um, value. Oh, that's so cool. So the basically cubes. everything is kind of... I, I don't know how to... I don't know if I really fully grasp this, so I could be describing it wrong, but it's basically like, rather than 3D as we know it, it was like 3D pixel art. Well, that, that makes sense because a voxel represents a value on a regular grid in three-dimensional space, as with pixel... All right, you could tell I'm reading that. I'm sorry. but, but <laughs> Well, please read away because, like I said, I, I have only the most, like, the most uh, superficial understanding of any of this. I just read that this is a thing that happened, like, five minutes ago. So, please, if you have, like, actual facts to contribute, please uh, uh, let, let's make this somewhat informative. Oh, you're going to be disappointed. All right, I'll go ahead. Um, I, well, I actually I tapped on the the link for for the the voxel. They don't really. I guess it's not really an engine. The, the voxel graphics that that Westwood Studios used, and it didn't. There's no Wikipedia page for it, so it just pulled up what a, what a the definition of what an actual voxel is. But it makes sense for what you're describing because it says a voxel represents a value on a regular grid in three dimensional space. So it's uh, I I don't. I am so much sh- more confused now than I was like a second ago. Well, what's cool about this is that's a very, very short sentence, and it's amazingly confusing <laughs> and complicated <laughs> for such a tiny little sentence. It already lost me. I, I, it lost me at the. Um, what I'm taking away from it is voxels have something to do with manipulating a, a three-dimensional object on a two-dimensional, on a flat surface. Mm-hmm. Which is what you're describing, right? Like the pixels are themselves. Basically. It's it's almost like, uh, sounds almost kind of like visual trickery. Like as opposed to being 3D, it just really looks it. Yeah. But then again, what is 3D? What is life? I don't, I don't know. What is 3D um, that you're looking at on a flat screen, right? Exactly. That's what I meant. Thank you. You picked up what I put down, mate. Thank you. Exactly. Like it's hard to get too wrapped up in what is 3D when it's all kind of not. <laughs> just you know really looks like it like like the hair in a pixar film it looks amazing but it's it's still bloody flat <laughs> this um but yeah that, that's awesome you say that though because i just i just don't have a, a good taste in my mouth from for, for 3d games because you know we, we we came up through the the worst time for 3d which is like the 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 caveman period of 3d you know games like gabriel knight popped to gabriel knight free popped to mind where it's just yuck it, it's just Mm-hmm. It's just awful. Like it's, ugh, I, I won't go down that rabbit hole. But yeah, point is, it's it, no wonder it looks so much better than than let's say Grim Fandango. It's it, it's got an amazing look. Like the the way they the way they do like sweeping cameras and like it it, it doesn't look like you know Red Dead Redemption two, but like if you were a modern day independent developer, it it, it would pass. Like it's it looks mm. good enough to be a 2019 indie game. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that says a lot for 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 '97, especially when you look at the other 
you know, air quotes, 3D games of the time. Yeah. They were all polygons. And I mean, the... Granted, I have only experienced this game through screenshots uh, ever since I played it in the 90s or possibly 2000, maybe. But uh, I, so I don't know what it's like blown up to a full screen, like in full interactive motion. Um, it, it's amazing. It, it really like I, I because I was expecting to not based on my back to my 3D, you know, kind of bias towards not liking it. I went into this like, all right, you know, I love Blade Runner, so we're going to play this bloody game. You know, there's a there's a point-and-click adventure game about your favorite film. Like, how have you not played this yet? Get yeah, into of it, course. mate. So I forced it. But uh, but the reason I was so hesitant and hadn't played it up to that time was because, you know, it was 3D, you know, looking. Um, so when it, when it kicked on, you know, in other words, I was probably the harshest critic it had to uh, impress. And I, I was blown away. Like, it, it holds up so well, especially since you said just screenshots, obviously – Excuse me. Obviously, since then, it, it the the motion, like the sweeping of the cameras, it it actually just looks even more real when it's in motion, mm-hmm. uh, or more convincing, whatever. Uh, I I must have played this like ninety eight or ninety nine because I remember this was actually was perfectly timed for me. That it coincided with um, a time when I just discovered Blade Runner. So uh, I, I you know I didn't grow up with Blade Runner all throughout. I was like in my late teens. I was I was in university. I was starting university when I first came across it. Uh, you know, I, I knew of it. I shouldn't say first came across it, but when I first actually watched it. And um, I, I was expecting something very different from what it was. So the first time I was kind of like a little bit eh on it, but then it, you know over time it kind of sunk in. And so like, hey, you know what? I was kind of expecting something different, but given what it, what what it actually was, it was actually really cool. And then I watched it again, and then again and again, and I just became obsessed with it. And I actually, um, um, I'll, I'll try to make the story quick because it's only kind of tangentially um, Whoa, related and um, and uh, only marginally interesting. But uh, there's a in one of my <laughs> university classes, I was actually was assigned to write an essay, and they gave us a, a list of uh, possible topics, and one of them was to go out and see a theater show. And write an essay about that, uh, and apply various um, uh, uh, art theories to uh, you know to the show. And I kind of like I I didn't want to basically, so I was kind of like uh, I tried to rules lawyer kind of thing where I was like, um, well, you know what? Uh, how about if I just write it on Blade Runner because I just saw Blade Runner, uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm just going to write about that, and it's postmodern. And I, I didn't even have to fight because the teacher was just sort of like, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Blade Runner is a good movie. <laughs> and uh, and so I, I was just allowed to write my essay on Blade Runner and I, I got a really good mark on it, even though it was like totally not something that I was supposed to actually do as in part of the assignment. And in fact, the professor uh, in following years actually readjusted the parameters of the essay uh, so that to include movies and films and stuff like that that people can do because um, because I just decided I was going to do Blade Runner instead of anything that was actually asked. Um, you mean, it was literally a groundbreaking thing that you done. They, yeah. they changed rules about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I definitely was obsessed with Blade Runner when the game came out. Like it was pretty mind blowing that it's like, hey, after all this time later, now they're coming out with the game of Blade Runner. Now that I'm obsessed with it, it's like it was so awesome. So I was like. In the same way that you say that you were the harshest critic, I would have been the easiest person to be very disappointed with this because this is like the time when like Blade Runner was just like uh, untouchable. You right, know, it right. was like you know 
the highest, highest standards, highest standards, highest expectations. You know, you know me. Everyone who's listening to this would know by now that I am like a huge point and click adventure game fan. So, a point and click adventure game about one of my favorite movies of all time at the time that it became my one of my favorite movies of all time, and it lived up to everything. It was just fantastic. I was like, "This is the best game ever. This is awesome." The, the rare bloody hat trick. That's awesome. Yeah. You get you get that because you're Canadian, so I used hat trick instead of. <laughs> Do whatever. Americans not know what hat tricks are? <laughs> when you pull a rabbit out of a hat and it's like really awesome. Oh, got him. That's that was actually more Canadian than anything else, just because you had that on deck. Eddie, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but my my experience is really similar to yours, uh, except for I, I didn't I didn't complete the trilogy. I discovered the game much later into my much later into my obsession with the film but but still like you said we're both came from a spot where it's like you know th- this i i think i, I don't know, I, I almost thought it was maybe too good to be true like i was like there's there's no way i'm gonna enjoy this <laughs> <laughs> like the, the, it's it's amazing when you have high expectations and even those are surpassed mm-hmm. that's a rare that's a rare thing like uh like one of your favorite musicians' fifth album is somehow his best. You're like, whoa! Yeah. Like you know, that's it's it's happened. It's a cool moment. You're like, damn! Like that's kind of how this game was for me. I'm like, you know, this is. Uh, I like it even more. Then you're because... not a true fan of the band, man. <laughs> they change when they cut their hair, bruh. Um, <laughs> Once they signed on to a label and made money. Anyway, sorry. Where, where are we even going with this? Um, <laughs> Oh God! I was actually going to continue that, but I'll, you're right. Focus in this. I'm not even sure we've actually really started to talk about the game. I'm prepared to prepared not to go really. any direction here. Um, I mean, I, I will say this, uh, you know, because we say how awesome it was and how it was so groundbreaking. It's weird because it's like it was groundbreaking in a way that it like had almost no impact moving forward because like all the things that they did that was really <laughs> awesome. Um, was never done again. Yes, that's such a great point. <laughs> yeah, that's such a great point. They're so, like, well, those were great ideas. See you later. Yeah. Like, that was, yeah, I, think that's, I think that's probably why this was kind of like the regarded for a little while. Uh, you know, history looks back and laughs on it, but that's probably why people thought this is like the last great adventure game because it's like the uh, this is like the culmination, the accumulation of everything piled on. This is like did everything that was groundbreaking and like built on everything before it, and they're like, yeah, we're just going to sidestep that and just tiptoe around that and pretend that never happened. They're like, you, yeah, that is, you're right. They totally, they they really kind of shit on the whole thing because they they did such. A, they're like, look, you you like pixel art? We got it. You like three D? We got that too, baby. Like they they gave us they gave us the world. They they, they gave us um, as far as groundbreaking too. They they gave us mechanics that that I, I've not seen again that that were just awesome. Um, the the uh, God, I I know there was a. A really complicated way to put this that I'll try and diverge from, but the the idea that the non-playable characters, that their roles and interactions each time you play the game, w- would be different, and and how you know the, the, there'd be you know four different endings, but but times that four by another four because for every four endings, there's four different ways the the non-playable characters could have affected that ending. Well, they were, it was like um, a, it was like a matrix of endings in this game, and, yeah, and they I mean, all made sense. What it was the. Um... I, I, you know, this is part of the brief amount of research I did just before the show. But it was apparently what they did was they, um, 
uh, the NPCs are AI simulated. So they basically just like, you know, um, I, I think you verified this with me because you played it more recently. I think it was basically there's a part where um, the NPCs are randomly assigned certain characteristics that they'll carry throughout the game. And based on that, they're kind of let loose with their own AI and said, okay, go about your agendas. And they do. Right. And well, you know, this is sounding kind of scary, similar to actually like making replicants when you think about it. Because <laughs> they just created this AI to say like, okay, here's your goal, do it. And they just unleash these NPCs into the world to um, go about their thing. And they'll... Um, and, and apparently they have goals that they're trying to accomplish throughout the game. And um, based on your actions and based on uh, their objectives, it uh, th- this will you'll eventually come across one of like 12 different alternate endings. Yeah, yeah. My mind's still blown from, from what you said a second ago, that the, 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 there's replicants placed within a game about replicants that's that's amazing because because the more you think about it the more true it becomes no but that that was a really cool statement like that could have been their whole marketing campaign there's bloody replicants inside a game about replicants because that's that's exactly it they, they, you know given a, a a mild description of a task and and you know given a simulated life as a human and, and they do their thing and like, the way it affects the game like, is don't fun. be wrong like npcs have ai these days it's just like you know uh, every character in a Grand Theft Auto game is like pretty independently in motion and stuff like that. But these are like major characters. <laughs> these are like the characters that are driving the plot forward and just like driven by their AI. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly it. Yeah, it's in not, real not time, like a... that, that was their whole thing. They were the real time adventure game because this stuff was unfolding while you were doing something. Nothing was waiting for you in order to happen. Yeah, and as you know, uh, I just learned what real time meant about five <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> I always just heard it as something people added to to a stat about video game and accepted it. I'm like, cool, that sounds neat. And and, and it was very simply explained to me. That, uh, and I was like, wow, it's not just a clever name. And I get it now. I'm glad I never said anything about this out loud until on a podcast for for a hundred more people to listen to than usually listen to me. But anyway, uh, the the. The fact that, like you said, it's not like a like an AI in in Grand Theft or whatever. Like you know that that weird thing you see on YouTube, where it's like for some reason the AI is like beating his dog or something. Like just you know the weird AI stuff they do. It like you said, like they actually they actually like impact the game. And to take it even another step further is it, that in part impacts the ending, mm-hmm. which it's really cool. And what I love about this 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 game. Is I'm, I'm like I'm excited for it to be a couple more months away so I can play it again. Like I know I need right. a little more time than three months, but I'm like still like well excited to play it again because, you know, it's not just about like you you get to the end of the game and the game plays you one of its twelve endings. It, you know what I mean? It's yeah, it's not yeah. that at all. It's not cheap. It, it's like the, the the fact that these AIs change each gameplay is like you know now your partner. Maybe she's a replicant. The next time she could just be a, a normal person, or the next time Spoilers, she could be a normal person who's a synthesizer. Yeah, yeah. No, and I get that, and you know, and that's kind of the thing too, because it's like, um, um, the first time I played this, because uh, I didn't realize that there were twelve endings. I always thought there were four, because they are, you know, when I did play it, I finished it on my own, and then I read about um, there were alternate endings, and um, the guide that I was reading said here are the 
ways to trigger the four different alternate endings. Uh, so, I, you know, I went back, played it, uh, got all the endings, and I was like, okay, well, I, I think I'm pretty satisfied with that. I've finished this game. As it turns out, as we just found out, like, um, yeah, I never knew this after all these, like, 20 years or something like that. Uh, I, I never realized, but it's, that's four alternate endings per, like, uh, path of, like, three different paths that are randomly selected for you. Exactly, and three times four is bloody 12. It, it really is a thing. It's like a formula, exactly. <laughs> There's the four different endings, and then depending on the, the, the three different ways uh, an NPC can be in the game will change those four. So yeah, you get 12. It really is like a matrix. I don't know what that word means. It sounds like you'd use it now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's, it's yeah. No, it, it's I, a bunch of I stuff just, that could possibly happen. Yeah, followed by, <laughs> whoa. I, um, I, my first playthrough, I found out about the endings, same as you, where I was like, all right, I, I, word on the, the street, all the bloody kids are talking about the 1997 Westwood Studios game Blade Runner. <laughs> um, word on the street is there's, there's more than the one ending. Um, and I was really un unsatisfied with my initial ending. I mean, I, I liked it. I was just disappointed because, uh, spoilers, because there's a, a, a opportunity that I didn't catch in time to save your partner from dying right, right. before the end. And like, you know, it's, it's just about to be the end. So, you know, and I, I saw the ending through and I, and I liked it a lot, but then I, you know, I was like, well, that was kind of a bummer. Like, we've, you know, we've been through a lot, me and her. So, so I went back and, and was able to save her and get the other ending and, uh, and heavy spoilers. And, and then I, I learned that, uh, so, so the, the villain in this game, who is awesome, is who totally is not Roy Batty, is he? <laughs> he's he's a good villain. Everything about his character is amazing. He just has the most forgettable name I've ever heard because uh, we we spoke uh, pre-recording about this. I, I wasn't familiar with it, and having been reminded of it about twenty minutes ago, I've forgotten it again. And it, what is it? Cozy Clovis. Co Clovis. Clovis. There we go. Clovis. So so at the end of the game, again, heavy spoilers. Clovis gives like the most self and bloody indulgent dying speech ever that it's almost humorous halfway through we're like oh my god he's still going like that's like a bit on snl like he, he just keeps <laughs> bloody going but it's like it's like really dramatic it, it's like pretty decent little verbal poetry and, and and you know it's the end of the game so like you wouldn't dare do anything to interrupt the, the final speech of the villain surely so, so you finish the game and then you hop online and you read some comment and reddit that's like hey you could just shoot him when he's talking <laughs> That's what I and did. Like, that, that's my first impulse. That's the first thing I it did. It was your first yeah. thing? Wow. Like, I actually, like, I, you know, it's one of those things where, like, he talks, and after about, like, the second minute of talking, I'm like, he's not going to shut up. So I shot him. And it wasn't until, you know, <laughs> as, as, like, the mirror image of, like, what you did, I actually had to read and find out that if you let him talk, he will just die naturally because wow. you let him die. Uh, and I had to re that's... I had to look enough to realize that he will actually that that could happen. I thought he was just going to be like, well, no, you're you're supposed to kill him anytime now, guys. See, we we bring our listeners some bloody balance on this show. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, interesting thing, and I'll I'll get back to that character in just a second. But I just wanted to bring up because I know this is something I'm going to totally forget if I don't right now. Um, there, things happen in real time, so characters move about on their own accord. I went through my entire playthrough without realizing that there's like five um, characters from the actual movie who have ca uh, who have cameos played by the actual actors that played them in the movie, and uh, they're not hugely important. I don't recall, 
maybe one or two of them are people that I might have uh, just forgotten that I ran into, but uh, apparently there's like five actors um, that they brought back to play their characters again that are just randomly walking around that you can eventually encounter um, if if you play it right. Yeah, but going back to this villain guy who is totally not Roy Batty, but (laughs) he is like just most obvious attempt to try to recreate Roy Batty. He's like, you know, the, the poetic, flowery, um, poetry-spewing guy is kind of like his defining characteristic. He's basically everything that Roy Batty is, but just, you know, they couldn't actually use Roy Batty because this is taking place at the same time as the movie. So they, that was actually one of the notes that they had was that they cannot do anything that screws with the continuity of the film. And it was funny because I sort of thought of to myself, it's like, so what if this is just like a model of replicant at the time? Like you had, you had the laborers, you had the pl- the pleasure models, and then you have like these poetry spewing replicants for some reason, and that's just like <laughs> just like one of the models that they just s- l- sent out there, I guess, just to wax poetic about everything. And it's like, well, how, how did you not expect that those things are going to eventually become sentient <laughs> and rebel, right? They're a bit bloody melodramatic, mate. Have you not noticed? I mean, <laughs> all your replicants are oddly romantic. It's it's a strange. Strange programming choice. <laughs> it's funny too because when you when when you were describing Clovis, there it is, a bloody name. Um, you, you were like, you know, Roy Roy Batty, uh, something poetry, and like that. That's the only word you need is, is poetry. Like that. That's that explains Roy Batty. Yeah, it's, it's just this Shakespearean little self indulgent scenes, uh, which are awesome in the, in the film. But yeah, I don't even know. The, in the game, I won't say that they weren't welcome or anything. I don't think you really deal with Clovis much. It's just just that bloody you know the ending, which was which was awesome. I, I honestly uh, I I can't even say I really remember very much about the story. Um, as with a lot of point and click adventure games, the first time I go through it, I'm kind of more just trying to like solve the puzzles and get the ending rather than actually paying attention to the plot. Um, <laughs> so uh, forgive me if I don't really remember everything. I do remember. Um, um, just like, you know, saying about a little girl and then your partner who, uh, I don't know, there's some sort of a sexual tension there or something, maybe, or maybe not. I don't remember. Um, and what uh, if you found out right now that that was only literally you that found there was sexual tension? <laughs> the, I'm just kidding. See, the thing about this game that that's really, the, or I guess I should say the thing about this, this point that you're making really speaks volumes for the game's quality because it's. It's not one of those games where it's like, you know, here's the bad guy, he's doing this, you have to stop it, this happens, the end. It's, it's like there's a there's a lot going on where it's, it's not kind of t- brushing on what we said about Space Quest, what you said about it brilliantly, that it was more of a, a, a scene-to-scene thing. I wouldn't say that this game is, is quite to that degree, but there's just so much, there's so many different things with so many different characters going on that it's hard to be like, you know, the, you know Ghost Pirate LeChuck is back, now he's a zombie, He's gonna try and kill you. You got to stop him. It's 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 kind of more complex than that to the point where you know your boss later ends up turning to to the bloody dark side and and um you know there's a lot there's a kind of a lot to process there which kind of back to what I said uh, about Clovis how he's not in actually in the game that much he's more in the game as like you know the overarching the guy you hear about because the game's filled with like just so many so many henchmen and and moving characters and mm-hmm. you know um. Deckard in the background. By the way, uh, 
uh, you had said a few moments ago about some of the actors in, in the film voicing it. Did you know that they reached out to Harrison Ford to be a voice in this game? I did not know that. No, I, I take said, it. He said no. He probably, no, he, he actually didn't respond. He just, <laughs> he, he just walked away in classic grumpy Harrison Ford style. Well, I think he didn't um, like working on Blade Runner, did he? I don't think he liked working on anything. <laughs> That's kind of true. <laughs> right? I mean, I love him to death, don't get me wrong. But, How does he and, even and get I, work? And I love that he's grumpy. It makes him more adorable. Yeah. It, I mean, I, I get why he's offered roles, but how does he get work if he just seems to hate everything he does? Like, how is he still an actor? Yeah, I, I, I don't. I, I, I definitely heard him trash, but uh, Star Wars as well. Oh yeah, you know, wanting yeah. to be wanting to be killed off in this. I don't think I've heard him t- t- talk down on indie, and he did go back for that. So maybe maybe that's his maybe that's his favorite. Mm-hmm. But anyway, enough about oh. Harrison. What what am I? Um, and I think this is a part which I think you've been wanting to talk about for a long time. One of my favorite parts about um, any movie ever in general is the soundtrack of Blade Runner. And um, just that uh, the Blade Runner blues is just a fantastic track. Just one, just I, I can't even begin to describe how amazing that track is. Um, and especially what it, it kind of like how it impacted me at the time that um, I was really big into this. And it was so cool to reach a scene where you kind of like, uh, you get back into your apartment, you walk out onto your balcony and overlook the city. And then that music comes on and it's like, Oh yes. Yeah. It's in here. Yes. And it's just, you know, it's, it's such a cool moment where you're kind of like looking over the city and the Blade Runner blues plays. And it's like, yeah, that's great. And then I found out like five minutes before we started recording that that's actually not the same track that was used in the movie. Uh, and, you know, I, I talked about this with you, but, you know, for the benefit of the audience, what happened was they didn't get the rights to the soundtrack. So they got their in-house designer to recreate um, that song and uh, create a few more songs uh, based on the style. But basically that song, which could have fooled me, I thought it was the exact same one. He basically had to recreate that by ear because he wasn't really allowed any access to the source material other than just to like listen to the CD. Yeah, that, that is, it's really strange. I, I didn't notice it being, being different either. Maybe some of that was the gameplay, but God, I mean, I must have listened to the Blade Runner soundtrack a million times. I, I definitely sh- probably should have noticed, um, but I didn't. And what's the, that, that whole story is, is about the soundtrack thing. It, it's really, it's really strange. Like, <laughs> Like they were, you know, he was allowed to to replicate and reproduce the music, but but he couldn't have the source. Like that, that's just a. There's some strange legalities going on there, I'd imagine. But I'm glad that you mentioned that scene and that it stood out to you because I wasn't sure if I was just mental over over the soundtrack and and the, and the whole lore and world of it, and and that stood out for me for for personal reasons or whatever. So hearing you, you know, say without prompt that that was something that kind of stuck with you is, is was really cool because yeah, that that definitely was like a was like a perfect scene. They, they, they the mm. perfect storm. They saved the the right sound clip for the the right scenery and vibe in the game, like you said, you know, on the balcony in the rain, the neon. It was yeah, it was epic. Well, I think um, and you've mentioned before in our in our conversations. I can't remember if you've mentioned ever on the show that you said that the um, uh, when it comes to Blade Runner the movie. Uh, the music really is one of the characters. Yes. And uh, which yes. is a really great point because it totally is. 
Uh, the other thing which I just sort of realized now is sort of like, uh, especially if you watch the director's cut and um, and later, so you just kind of ignore uh, that horrible voiceover track that came out with the theatrical release. It is just about the uh, um, like the mood and the atmosphere, and um, it, it really how much you enjoy the movie is really going to hinge upon how much you enjoy the soundtrack because you know equivalent to um uh Ennio Morricone and his scores it's like if you take them out you don't really have much left right right and right. so this movie is a great movie and all but a lot of that is because of the the music so there's a lot of like these slow um, scenes where not much happens except a character walks from here to there or Deckard looking out the window at the city as he's uh, being driven somewhere and you realize how much of the emotional weight is being carried by the music entirely right yeah so without that you don't really get anything so I think that's kind of uh, um, I-, I think that's why if you're a big fan of the movie you kind of have to part and parcel be a big fan of the soundtrack and i think when you actually get to that scene where they bring back the the iconic probably the most iconic um theme from the movie uh and especially the way they use it it's like if you're a fan of the movie and you're playing this game that's not going to not be the big moment of the game right 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 it's it's so true the way you worded it it's uh it's almost like one of your favorite actors steps out on screen to make a cameo and mm-hmm. you're like, Oh my God, it's fucking him. Like, can you believe it? It's the, the, the music carries such, so much weight as far as being a character in the film, let's say that, that when it, it suddenly appears in the middle of this game, you remember it like an old friend, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, <laughs> you, like, or seeing, you know, a favorite star walk out into the film for a cameo. You didn't uh, hear spoilers for it's like, Oh my God. Like, uh, because you're right, the the, the in, in the film itself, like the 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 music is um, it, it's always there to to both like set the mood and nudge you into different moods. If mm-hmm. that makes sense, yes. you know, kind of kind of influence you j- just ever so slightly. But I, I find that people that don't particularly like the film, um, and they are wrong. Factually, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they um, you know the the. Well, uh, let me let me rephrase this more universally. I, I think myself, you described so earlier, I think a lot of people enjoy this film tenfold the second time. Mm-hmm. And the, there's something to be said about this This movie kind of requires you to let go. Mm-hmm. You got to kind of let go and, and, and let the, the atmosphere kind of do do its thing, do its job. Um, to the point where I, I'd actually probably say... This film, the movie, like really genuinely relaxes me, and I'm not sure yeah. if I describe any other movie as relaxing. Yeah, because um, <laughs> I think you, know, uh, usually... you go into this movie, and typically, uh, at least in my experience, you know, one typically goes into it expecting a sci-fi action thriller, and it's not. Right. Right. Yes. Same here. Yeah. And it's it's not that. It's a it's a sci-fi film noir. And um, absolutely not. In it. You know, I, I was expecting some like techno action, pew pew thing, and it's like no, it's just like this. It, it's a noir detective movie set in the future. Exactly. Yeah, and and noir is such a such an important word. Like it's it. it I think it's it, 
it's like the embodiment of of a of a modern to its time noir film. You know, mm-hmm. if you kind of think about the the way the role that music played in in noir, you know, from its origin, I don't know, twenties maybe. You know, there, there was a lot of you know. Dr- dramatic pauses and and you know a horn blasting in the background as cigarette smoke you know went up into the it, it's it really is almost like uh you know they took away a trumpet and put in a synthesizer and and um and so forth it really really modern noir, noir film which probably isn't news to, to most people listening but the um the game does an awesome job i think of maintaining that mood mm-hmm. but um it, it takes it up w- just one but one very necessary notch yeah, you know, for for interactive fiction, like you know, it's got to be you know, you got to have something to do. In other words, when you play a game, you don't. Yeah, you know, I don't want to probably describe a gameplay as as relaxing. Eh, asterisk mark. There's, there's time and place. Not an adventure game, let's mm-hmm. say, because then maybe you might just get like tired or sleepy. Um, so so the game keeps. It, in other words, it keeps a good pacing throughout, but it still has that kind of laid back, you know, chill vibe about it and and they took awesome care into the the scenery the the screens that you get to explore they replicated a few from the film mm. i believe not all of them i don't think but but a few uh few kind of iconic uh, shots from the, the movie pop up in the game i was, I was um, actually that blew my mind when i saw some of the locations from the movie i was like how do they do that like seriously how, yeah. how do they do that like did they recreate like i i just can't even think about like the amount of work and attention to detail that went into creating these things so precisely it's like this is the scene from the movie like this is exactly yeah. that location yeah no you know? it really you're right because that feeling of, of this is that scene was way stronger in this game than, than i think it's ever hit me before like mm-hmm. i think it was the most i've ever felt inside of a familiar world yeah um you know i, I can't think of anything off, offhand to really compare it to but you know there's, there's experiences maybe licensed games or whatever where you're like okay you know i i know alien really well so you know Again, I, I shouldn't say because actually I can't no, you're compare. you're right. You're actually very right because I I played Alien Isolation earlier this year, and um, you do visit um, this one spot. This is a very iconic scene from the original movie, and Alien is like one of my favorite movies of all time. I I, I even rank Alien just slightly higher than Blade Runner, and when I reached that scene in that game, I was like, oh yeah, cool. But right, then you know, right, yeah. but then in yeah. in you know in Blade Runner, it was sort of like, oh my god. They created that like perfectly. I, I guess it's also because like yeah, I just didn't expect it at the time. Now it's like, well, of course they did. You know, I'd be disappointed if they didn't. But like, because um, anyone can. Or I'm not going to say it's not hard work, but you know, the technology's there and we're used to yeah. it. We've seen it time and time again. But in Blade Runner, I've never seen that. It's like, or if you do, you'll see like a you know a nice little pixel portrait of it. But to see it created like so realistically, like it was actually there on the set of the movie. Yeah, exactly. And you know, having played it to more in the modern age, again, while the graphics blew me away, you know, you could definitely argue it's it's not you know the best. It's it's you know it's not the current Rockstar game or whatever. Um, but another, just another aspect on top of on top of how well it was done and how great it looked, um, and and despite its age. It, it had that cool feeling of like when you see a, a scene in a film and you almost wish you could just grab the camera and move it left and right and just mm-hmm. look around it and look around the building or it, it gave me that feeling of like, well, I know this scene really well. And, and now, now I know what's behind that building and yeah. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous, but it was like, it was actually really exciting. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it, it made for really good immersion. Cause I'm like, I really feel like I'm in this world right now. Like this is, yeah, this is amazing. Absolutely. I just, I just want to point out one little thing just cause I want to mention it before, um, uh, cause it's relatively irrelevant, but, um, 
you mentioned before about like how the mo- how the music it expresses a mood and kind of like pushes you towards um the, the emotional journey that it wants you to be on in the movie. Yes. Yeah. Um I just wanted to, I just wanted to note cuz uh, only only just when you mentioned that it kind of occurred to me that in the actual book that it's based on Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep uh one of the one of the little things from the book that was not carried over into the movie adaptation was that they use these things uh, I forget what they're exactly called um it, uh, but they're basically mood boxes. I'm not sure if they're actually called that or not. I'm just going to refer to them as that from now on. But yeah, they're basically these uh, mood boxes that you set them to the mood that you want to feel, and then they make you feel that way. So it's kind of funny that oh, you right, mentioned yes. like, like it's, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that that's basically what the music is doing. Is it's kind of like pushing you towards experiencing a mood, and sort of like someone is laughing at us right now. Yeah, that's that's really <laughs> makes makes you even wonder like if, if Vangelis like really read into that. <laughs> yeah. I, I highly doubt it, if it went down that way, but it, it is there is something to be said that the uh, the book's version of a soundtrack was those boxes. Yeah, so it's like the uh, the the music is a, a boot box, and the game is full of replicants. So yeah. we're just we're just being played for fools left and right. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean like. Uh, I, I talked a lot about my personal context and experience, but like, what was it like for you the first time you played it? Because uh, um, I, I forget you—you you might have mentioned earlier before. Was uh, Blade Runner like one of your favorite movies by the time that you played the game? Oh yes, yeah. Because my my uh, my first playthrough what was just three months ago. I, I hadn't played it uh, like when it came out or in the past. It, Wait, ever? You, know, uh, you mean like the three months yeah. ago was like the first time you ever played it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I thought you played it before. I, I watched one of my mates play play a little bit of it way back in the day, but I, even then, it was you know it, maybe for like an hour at tops, and I I didn't actually get to play. And it was you know so bloody long ago that it uh, I was seeing it again for the first time. Yeah. But but yeah, I had never actually you know myself self played it. So yeah, I was already already massive you know Blade Blade Runner. You know, fan fan of both films to the point now where i can't i can't even give like top three or top five i never could when it comes to personal favorite anything because i'm indecisive but like i can't even decide with those so i'm just like all the blade runners like they're Mm. they're tied they're they're one thing like see just see them both they're amazing um but yeah the the game i i i was i just can't express enough how blown away i was by the graphics because again i was not I did not want to play this game. Basically, I, I was like, "You have to," because this is your favorite movie and and an adventure game. But those kind of graphics, see, like to me, pixel art aged really well. And people like Ratchet Eye, etc., all the lovely people out there, Julia, making these games, it doesn't really feel like it's an old, outdated thing uh, as retro as, as it is. Whereas, like three D, I mean, it just it just aged like shit. So, like the sentence is going to sound weird because I, I love classic games but when i looked at blade runner i was like ah this game's gonna feel and look old <laughs> and and again i know it's weird because I, I love old games but to me they, they don't they're, they're not they're not like spiritually old they, they just happened to have came out a while ago yeah <laughs> all, all, all these classic games that i love I, I don't see them as like trying to muscle through a black and white film whereas i, I do see 3d games like that where i'm like i just i don't want to go back to like that 90s you know, PlayStation Two polygon bullshit. Yeah. Well, so I, I it definitely benefited from not being um, graphics similar to Alone in the Dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ugh, no, yeah, that's <laughs> which I love. That's proof, and it was great. But I'm just saying, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a little hard on the eyes nowadays. Yeah. I think it always was, but um, 
Yeah, so I, w- I was blown away by the graphics, and I will say they they did an awesome job into playing into their strengths as far as the the, the Blade Runner universe, the the world, whatever, um, because it it's so dark and and you know so a lot of it is is the night sky, a neon glow, and maybe some rain. So you know to to cut some of the other games some slack that were done around this time, that I think were in superior looking. It's like they played really well to the strengths, so I felt like the game aged really well because. It's hard with, there's not a lot of little detail to get wrong with old 3D. It's just, you know, instead of like tons of, you know, bad 3D detail of even a wall or whatever, it's just black for the night sky and some glowing neon. So mm. it's, you know what I mean? Like they, they played into their strengths, which helped to age. The only thing that didn't really age well graphically, I, I think, was the, the cutscenes because the people look weird. And honestly, they still do. <laughs> I, I don't know if you've seen like screenshots no, from the no, PS4. PS4 um, Spider-Man game, like, he, he looks so strange. The teeth are so... Oh, stop doing teeth. generally, like, just cutscenes generally. Yeah, yeah, like, like nowadays, like, even 3D cuts... I mean, Red Dead 2 was pretty awesome. But back to Spider-Man, it was ridiculous. The <laughs> teeth are so strange. Anyone listening right now has played that. It's probably like, yeah, the teeth did look really weird. Oh, no, or my, like, my mind kind of contextualizes a lot of this stuff. I just recently played, like, Rule of Rose, and the cutscenes just look fen- phenomenal to me even still yeah that, that is a good point too you catch me out on that kind of a lot because it always makes me think the same thing like after a few minutes i i don't i don't st- uh you know it doesn't mm-hmm. it's not like it's bothering me the entire experience it goes away really quickly yeah. it becomes life I, I, now i mean like even just the gameplay is like is okay i'm used to it and i i, I acclimatize to that really well and i think it's like perfectly fine and it's actually really good probably one of the better looking ps2 games i can think of but uh, the cutscenes, even like I'm blown away by them. I'm sort of like, oh, that that looks really good. This is PS2, you know? Right, right. Yeah, and yeah. When we, how said when we hang up uh, the telly, uh, <laughs> when we're done, I'm gonna have to to check out some some screenshots there and kind of compare. I wonder if they're they're probably pretty similar uh, style. Because yeah, I mean, and again too, I should say in the Blade Runner game, the 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 cutaways are, are definitely above average for its time. But mm-hmm. I just think that the gameplay and the these, there's like animations, um, like when you arrive at a scene, there's like a sweeping camera, and and it's it's very cinematic, and and that all just looks so mint. So when they do a cutaway to just a straight 3D thing, it's just like, oh yeah, this you know this is a game, um, but <laughs> but it looks you know it looks bloody looks bloody amazing. So that being said, and speaking of how we just kind of you you just adjust to things and carry on and not think about it. I also did that with this game. So as much as I'm saying the music was mint, as much as I, I, I can't stop talking about the graphics, even though I actually want to stop and can't, Jesus. Um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> I quickly pretty much forgot about, you know, all that stuff. Playing a game isn't like just like, oh, this atmosphere. Like that's, you know, be 20 hours of that. Um, I don't know, 10, whatever. But um, my point is, is that putting all that stuff aside, the story is still the best part about the game probably. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the, like the story was it was really it was really well done. Like it it hmm, it didn't feel like a movie, it felt like a Netflix binge. Like it it's it's more I feel like it's more complicated than 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 the uh what would go down in the space of a movie. You know, yeah. it felt it felt like a a solid 10 episode <laughs> sort of situation. I would say, uh, and this is like kind of, I guess, my final thought, just because we're um, coming towards the end of this episode. Um, I would say, as kind of like my final thought, the um, this is one of those rare times, and I guess I have to go back 
and try it again just to make sure that this still holds up. But I'm pretty sure you're going to verify this for me. Um, considering a lot of the things that happen in the movie that you get to experience in the game, so you get to do a Voight comp test, you get to do the you know uh, image enhancement for detective work and stuff like that. Normally when I come across stuff like that in a game adaptation, it feels so ham-fisted and kind of shoehorned in. I was so stoked to do those in this game. It's sort of like, yes. man, this is, yeah, that's awesome. I'm yes. doing that thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was that was probably going to be my closing point, too, was was how much I actually loved the puzzles. Like, mm-hmm. they, it, they were so much fun. Like you said, doing the, um, the, the uh, where you scan a photo, mm-hmm. uh, that, that, that was like that was genius because it was it was so much bloody actual fun to do like it was it was it was just a good time like i remember playing that game and being like this is the first time in a while usually a game with good puzzles for me is is a game where i can just get through them yeah i I don't think i i quite experienced enjoying them before until this game where i was like wow actually doing them is also (laughs) fun this is how refreshing but yeah doing the void com thing was so much fun in the game and and it's one of the one of the sort of few, not really few times in the, in the game that they give you kind of a lot of control and power over the plot. So you can mm-hmm. you can you know decide whether or not to give them one, and then you can decide what to do with the test results. Like it 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 feels proper. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, if any of you have any thoughts on Blade Runner, the game, the movie, or anything Blade Runner related, or if you just don't like the sound of my voice or the look of my face, uh, leave us a comment or send us an email. We are at mail at classicgamersguild.com. We are also a Facebook group and a uh, Facebook page. We have a Patreon, uh, and we are on Twitter at the CG Guild, and Instagram at CGG Podcast. So come find us, come interact with us, drop by, say hello, say with you like or dislike our show, or if you have issues with us personally. I'm going to leave a comment on one of our own threads about your face. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> yeah, buddy, you know, do all the things he just said, for God's sakes. Thanks for listening, don't do a murder. I shouldn't have said thanks for listening, that was weird. It's a weird, oddly formal thing to say. Are you done? Yeah, I am done.